This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to Mysterious Universe, Season 28, Episode 18. Coming up on the show, we've got the refuge of the New World Order, Aurora Drops and Alien Metallurgy, and Mary McCurda and her paranormal primates. I'm Benjamin Grundy. Joining me is Aaron Wright. You make it sound more, uh, I suppose, sophisticated than what it really is, paranormal primates, because I saw the cover of the book that you have, and it appears to be a woman with a large gash on her leg claiming that she was attacked <laughs> by interdimensional monkeys. The only reason I bought this was so that I could tweet out the cover of the book. <laughs> and I thought, if I get any content out of it, it's a bonus. It's a, <laughs> it's a $30 book. It costs $30. That's the only reason I bought it. Yeah, it's got a, a large gash, like someone's calf with a gash on it. Paranormal Primates is the, uh, the, the title with the subtitle, My calf was attacked by an interdimensional monkey. See the claw bark. <laughs> It's great. ugly gash too, isn't it? And when you open it up for the very first chapter, there's a photo of the author there. Her name's Mary McCurda. Yeah. There's a photo of her holding a pussycat. And under, read to me what it says under her photo. (laughs) This is me in my prostitution days. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I've got to give a, a massive thanks to Seth Monk on Twitter, at King Tut, King Tut, who recommended this. Again, off another social media post where someone bought it just so they could put on Facebook the cover of this book. You know what, though? I'm not surprised that she's had that kind of interaction because I remember there was that old report out of Canberra in the nation's capital here that was, I think it was Clarissa or Carissa or something like that, but there was a prostitute that had picked up poltergeist. Like she'd attracted some type of entity and this this poltergeist would follow her around from location to location. Well, Mary's had a lot of weird stuff happen in her life and I'm, I'm going to be detailing her time in Florida with a, a house that her and her ex-husband bought together in an attempt to try and renovate. Uh, it didn't go quite well because of all the interdimensional monkeys that started to attack them <laughs> inside the house. Uh, but she also talks, yes, she talks about her early prostitution days where uh, it seems as though when she went to one of her first jobs as a prostitute, the madam eventually kicked her out because she had brought some kind of spirit with her that was harassing all the other prostitutes. Yeah, like attachment entities. It seems like uh, sex workers seem to have an incidence of that occurring. I'm not sure why. That does seem to be a trend. What have you got coming up? Hopefully something highbrow. Oh, it's not highbrow. Well, actually, it's it's different um, because I I only came across this story because I thought I've I've looked at it for years and I've gone, I just, I'm not interested. It's too Alex Jonesy. It's too wild and crazy. I'm just not interested in going into it. But it's the conspiracy theories surrounding the Denver International Airport. And there's some really, really strange stuff that's going on there. And funnily enough, maybe it's coincidence, maybe I'm just freaking myself out. But from the moment I started researching it yesterday afternoon, because it was kind of towards the end of the day, I thought I'll just I'll just start looking at this. 
everything electronic in my life has started to go weird. I tried to pay for fuel. None of my credit cards worked. I uh, was driving along. My car just suddenly, everything stopped functioning properly. You and I, Ben, were today trying to park the car. The computer stopped working. Most of it is surrounding your car. I know. I was sitting on the couch downstairs today and Aaron's car, the lights just started to go off and his sunroof opens and all the windows just went down by itself. There's nothing. By itself. <laughs> you were you're upstairs. I was sitting down outside. There's there's nothing near the car. And from yesterday afternoon, the moment that I started looking at this, I was overwhelmed with this massive headache that just came out of nowhere. Like this massive It's, it's the beam weapons. It's like, well, it feels like it's electromagnetic. It is. You're being well, gang stalked right now. <laughs> no, look, I'm sure it's all purely coincidence. But funnily enough, it does fit in with some of the conspiracies that I'm going to go into today, which is essentially, you know, it's, it's this strange new world order that a lot of people are talking about at the moment. It's very much a, a very intense conspiracy theory, but I'm interested in entertaining it just for hilarity purposes. You know, I just want to see, okay. well, maybe, you know, maybe there's something going on there. Maybe there isn't, but I think it's probably about the time that we should discuss it. We can see that a lot of things at the moment are being classified that have been previously classified as misinformation, for example, are suddenly being found to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is the kind of stuff that all kind of ties in nicely, which we're going to go into in our plus extension later on in the show. Well, it's time for one of these kind of shows where... <laughs> where you get attacked by an well, interdimensional monkey. When you think about history's greatest writers, what names come to mind? Like Shakespeare, mm-hmm. Dickens, yep. Tolstoy, mm-hmm. Orwell, Plato. You can add another name to this list, and that's Mary Makurda. <laughs> okay. Because the the exquisite writing in this book, I, I can barely describe to you how enthralled I was by hearing about this woman and everyone in her house getting attacked by interdimensional monkeys. So let me set the scene. This started in 2013. As I said, she started to look for a fixer-upper house to flip and her ex-husband Mark and her had just seen this house. They were really interested in buying it. $30,000, great deal, good neighbourhood, just an incredible price. Where is it? Uh, She lives near Melbourne, Florida. Okay. She doesn't doesn't give the exact... uh, details. Actually, Palm Bay, Florida, she just spells out where it is. Uh, And she said, Margot, my psychic, who I've seen for many years, called me to give me a message from my mum on the other side. It's obviously her mum passed away years ago. Uh, And apparently her mother contacted this psychic while she was in the shower. She said, my mum told the psychic to tell me not to buy the house. I asked the psychic why, Margot said that that was the only part of the message. Uh, she also said, please tell your mum to stop contacting me in the shower. <laughs> and rolling. Uh, she said, Mary said, well, I thought how amazing it was that my dead mother used the water as a conductor of energy to enhance her power and get me such an important message. Thank you, mum, for always looking out for me. I bought the house anyway. <laughs> what you get this message that apparently is so important and you buy it anyway she said like the profit was just too good to pass up on so she just ignored her dead mother's advice and bought the bought the house so it's in like a 250k neighborhood and it's so a 30 grand a house so, so it, if they could flip it they could make a fortune so she said, we could also tell that the previous owner seemed to have left quickly. Uh, it had weird damages, like strange scratches on the wall and weird stains. But we thought, you know, we can flip this. So she said, Mark, her ex-husband uh, and Mary, they were in the handyman business for 10 years while they were married. And she said she divorced him 
when they turned 40 because he had a drinking problem. But they remained friends and they were so close, they went into business together. Now, she gives a bit of detail here saying how they met in, in Florida in 1972. They started their lifelong journey of love and paranormal experiences. And then she said, I worked as a prostitute in an escort service for a few years in a haunted brothel in Nevada in my 20s. And this is the style of the book. It just goes all over the place. Like you think you'll be reading about one thing and then she'll be mentioned a haunted, haunted brothel, brothel from 20 years ago. She says, I've always lived in haunted places and even in a haunted camper with an evil spirit. In my 30s, Mark and I had a successful handyman business, but in my 40s, I started my holistic healing business using electricity to heal the body. So in the book, she's got a couple of um, photos of her home, I guess, and there's just healing gadgets everywhere. Like, you know those rolfing machines? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Where you just turn a dial that does nothing. Yeah. Put your head on it or something. And it's like copper dials all over yeah, it. Yeah, it's like 20 of those. Crystals all, everywhere. All over her house. They're just everywhere. Like, that's her thing. Uh, she says, I'm 66 years old now, and I do not want to die in this house. Mark and I recently remarried and just want to live quietly. But we certainly cannot do that in this house until we sell it. But never-ending occurrences are happening here almost daily, as you will find out. People ask me why I don't move. I tell them we have no money to move until we sell this house, but the house is still not ready. I am hoping in about two years I can sell it and get the hell out of here. That's the introduction. If it's that bad of a house, though, even if it was, you know, you needed money, wouldn't you just get it? Wouldn't you go somewhere? Go to a friend's place, go to family, get out of the place. If you're being attacked by allegedly interdimensional monkeys, it's probably time to go. There's a lot of questionable decisions in this woman's life. Let me just say that. So chapter one, explanation of different entities that I have seen, felt, and heard in my house. A black gorilla was the first primate I saw. Then over these past 10 years, we have seen a silverback gorilla, an orangutan, a two-foot baby fat tan chimp, a four-foot fat tan mama female chimp, and a four-foot skinny creepy looking chimp with pointy ears and yellow eyes and long fingers. What? She's got a menagerie of apes that are marauding through her home? Also, we have seen a monkey as tall as the ceiling twice. Five people have heard the sounds of chimpanzees in the house. <laughs> a monkey has taken me over... The Grim Reaper has been seen twice and Jesus has been seen once. <laughs> How do we not know it's just some guy with a beard or the pet chip? <laughs> well, they just assumed it was Jesus because it was the only thing they saw that wasn't a monkey, basically. Many sizes, shapes and coloured orbs have been seen. We've also seen white mists, black stinky mists, a little boy and girl have been seen and a monk. There is a dead man and a dead woman here also. Shadow people in and outside my house have been seen many times. A fairy has been seen. A dragon. An orange-green neon light. <laughs> dragon. A tall stereotypical demon. And a pterodactyl flew over my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> we have ghost dogs and unexplainable booms that occur occasionally. There is also moaning in the attic and an entity that walks on the roof. We have objects that disappear, then reappear. We have poking, hair pulling, burns, pushing, a black mass that engulfs me. And I often hear people whispering when no one is there. Did she say anything about what the black mass did? Because we we're only just recently talking about that. Uh, I, I don't know, dude. She hasn't described <laughs> <laughs> It's just a list. Just let me get through this so I could do the other stuff I've got. This is like, this is an entree. I've actually got, I've actually got <laughs> proper, appetizer. I've got proper content coming up. 
Because I should mention that Hakan Blomqvist uh, has broken his fast and published a new oh, fantastic. article uh, just a couple of months ago, which we missed somehow. And of course, Hakan is one of our favorite authors on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Where he talks about um, essentially entities infiltrating our society. And I don't mean interdimensional monkeys. On the last Plus <laughs> show, we were talking about Cyril Scott's work, the famous British composer, who in, uh, was it the 1980s or 90s, he, he wrote a couple of books where they they came out as fictional works where he described a um, artist being contact a musician being contacted by someone from the Great White Brotherhood, one yes. of these uh, hidden uh, spiritual adepts, ascended masters, an ascended master of sorts. Uh, but eventually, it came out that Cyril Scott's uh, stories were biographies. It was actually his story, and he was the person that was contacted by one of these strange people. Uh, that is kind of infiltrated society, but they're not of our society. There's there's something else. And Hakan has always been following this question. And in the work I'll I'll cover coming up, he delves deeper into this with the idea that uh, there is some kind of secret civilization that exists on our planet that we're not aware of. Yes, absolutely. But to get there, we've got to get through these interdimensional <laughs> monkeys. So she talks about her psychic friend Margot who claims that all of Florida is a portal. <laughs> I just love this. It's like the entire state is a portal. To where? Uh, she says there's, well, from other dimensions into Florida. Okay. She says there's actual portals where things come in and out of my house and my property. My bedroom closet is one of them, and I have video proof on my website. And by, her, by the way, her website just doesn't work. This video shows about a hundred orbs flying out of my closet into my bedroom. So when she opens her closet doors <laughs> to get a, a shirt or something in the morning, <laughs> all these orbs just come flying out. <laughs> There's another portal between bedrooms in the house where people drop like a sack of potatoes when they walk near it. So if you go and visit this woman and you need, you need to go to the bathroom, if you walk down this hallway, you'll just crumple into like a drunk paralytic mess on the floor because there's a portal in the wall. Just open a portal somewhere and pee into it. That's the only <laughs> option you got. She says, the other one is in my backyard. Uh, so that's her friend, her psychic friend, Margot, who says all of Florida is a portal. Then she says, uh, next, I'll introduce you to Diane, my pet psychic, she came over to see me about my healing machines, especially my Energizer health tool. She asked me while she was using the device if I knew that something was in my house. So obviously, Diane People being a, up on it. a pet psychic, she's picking up on something. Uh, and essentially, Mary says, well, yeah, I've, I've had some experiences here. Well, what can you tell me? Like, what, what are you seeing? And apparently, this woman said, there ain't, there's ancient creatures here. She said that they're not humans. They're not like ghosts. They were never animals. They're, they're not demons or aliens. She wasn't sure what they were, but they were very ancient. And she said one of them appeared in front of her. She said it was about four feet tall and looked like a pygmy with sharp teeth and was hiding behind a face mask of sorts. It told her they wanted everyone off the property except for Mary because they liked her. Diane then quickly left the house. Next chapter. This is, these are all chapters, by the way. 
things I have done to rid the house of these entities, but to no avail. So she's had a priest from the Catholic Church come through and bless the house after it didn't do anything. She said about a year later, I had 10 Christians here for two hours speaking in tongues. (laughs) Like that's gonna do anything. <laughs> well, problem solved. <laughs> uh, to no avail, she said. I eventually gave up trying to get rid of them because it made the monkeys even madder. So one day, my friend Chris and I decided to go walking outside and loudly told the monkeys that I would never try and get rid of them again. I then left some bananas by the tree. <laughs> That night I was in bed and the only light from my TV was on and I watched a baby monkey about two feet high enter my room. It jumped up onto my bed and hopped onto my stomach. She said it felt like when uh, you're a kid and a cat jumps up onto you. Yeah. Kind of feeling. Uh, It immediately jumped off me as I kind of, she said she jerked in reaction and ran out of the bedroom door. I knew that it was happy though. This baby monkey was very happy. Uh, She also says she has a Bigfoot in her attic. (laughs) <laughs> now the reason she says this How is does she don't know it's her knife well she's heard this strange moaning in the attic like throughout all of this because she's been in this house for 10 years and yeah every now and then there's this this like weird noise and one day she was watching one of those uh reality like bigfoot hunting shows on tv and one of the uh one of the segments they had a recording of allegedly bigfoot of a howl yeah, like some chatter or a howl or something. It was like a Bigfoot in pain and they were playing it in the forest to attract other Bigfoot. And she said this sound was exactly what she was hearing coming from her attic. And so she's convinced there may actually be a Bigfoot in her attic that's completely separate to all this weird demonic monkey activity. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the idea. The big, It's not even paranormal. There's just a Bigfoot who he went in to get, try and find some food and he just got trapped in the attic and he's just been there ever since. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Is it how did this thing get in and what's it living on up there? But uh, she tries to push the narrative forward. Uh, and you, as you can tell, like nothing's been explained. Like, what are these monkeys? Where are they from? When did they first appear? She says, before you can understand any of that, you need to hear about all the people that live in her house. And when she described this, I thought, okay, she's going to be her, her ex-husband, maybe a couple of cats, and that's it. But no, there's a lot of people in her with in this house. You mean actual people? or Yeah, actual people. So Mark is in there with her, uh, her lifelong love. He, he met her again when they were teenagers. They met when they were in their like 15 or 16. They've been together for 52 years. She says, every time something scary happens, I always run to him because he is my rock. Unfortunately, because of his cigarette smoking, he has to have his bedroom on the porch. (laughs) So she's got him sleeping outside. He literally lives on the porch. Uh, Tina is there as well. Tina was Mark's girlfriend for 15 years. And she lives in the house with them. So, <laughs> oh no. Uh, she lived there with us, she says, until she died of cancer. Uh, and then there's Chris. She's our wonderful friend who has lived in the cottage in the backyard since we bought the house. We love her. There's uh, Isaiah, who uh, lives in the garage bedroom. There's Lorraine, who has been our friend for a couple of years before buying this house. Uh, she and her husband and their two Chihuahua dogs moved in. Uh, Lorraine has so many awful things happen to her by these damn monkeys, especially the creepy one we call Charlie. 
<laughs> no explanation what that means. Uh, they're in the bedroom across from me until some years later they moved out and Tim moved in. So Tim, when he moved in, he told me he's a religious Christian man and he thought these entities would not bother him. Well, he was wrong. He's also had many mean and scary experiences with these monkeys. I told him that I know a monkey lives in his closet because just before he moved in while cleaning the room, it had a temper tantrum and growled at me. He found out this is true. He is in his 60s on disability from his lungs and bad back. Then you've got James. James lived in the Florida room that we had cut in half to make an extra rental bedroom. No wonder there's this weird etheric activity going inside this house. It's chaotic. What do you mean you cut a bedroom out? So they just cut a bedroom in half, put another guy in there. Uh, He was not a well man and drank beer every day. He stayed for some years and then moved back to North Carolina. And then Tom moved in. So Tom, he lived in the Florida room bedroom, had a few encounters with spirits and monkeys. Uh, His big dog also lived with him. When he moved out, William moved in. So William, uh, nice, helpful man, still living with us. She says uh, he lives on social security, but he's very helpful. Uh, He has a monkey in his bedroom who likes to make chimp sounds at night. Uh, Then there's Nelson, is William's nephew, comes to visit occasionally. He and his family live a few blocks away. He's had experiences with the monkeys as well. And then there's Kerry, who's been a close friend of mine, she says, for 25 years. And she has had some occurrences while visiting me. Uh, she lives not far from here. She also once hit a Bigfoot and it disappeared. What the hell is this book? <laughs> Possibly she read gr- it down in a car and disappeared? The, the greatest book of all time. And I'm just thinking, this is so many people to have in your house. Like, I get that you're trying to save some money and you have a couple of tenants. Uh, she then says, there have been six more tenants who have had paranormal encounters here, but I'm no longer in contact with them. I wish we could all live here without being attacked or frightened. So it seems like she just has a ton of people in here with their dogs, with their wives, with their ex-wives, with their nephews All hanging the out. energy is not good. And it's just, this place sounds like a mess without the monkeys. Chapter two. These are the paranormal occurrences in my house. She says, I know what you're about to hear seems fake, but I assure you that the 12 eyewitnesses are not lying. So the first thing that happened was... The first day of construction before they moved in, this was the day after they had uh, essentially trimmed a major tree in the backyard. Friend Chris and Tina were sitting on the back porch. It was around 5.30 p.m. And out of the corner of her eye, Chris sees something move. She turns her head quickly and sees this pitch black looking energy that looked like a monkey or a gorilla under the tree. She said it was about four feet tall And as soon as she saw it, it took off running straight past the front of the house. She said it was hunched over, had long arms like a gorilla. And Tina, who is Mary's husband's ex-wife, also saw it. For Chris, it was her first paranormal experience, but not for Tina. Needless to say, they were extremely scared when they came in from the porch to tell Mark about it. So they tell Mark and they tell uh, Mary. Uh, And when they start telling Mark, he's like, all right, I wasn't going to tell anyone this. But uh, I've seen it in my bedroom three times since we got here. He says, for the past two mornings when he's woken up, he's still in bed, it's around 6am, a black cloud of energy has floated into his bedroom and then suddenly disappeared. Mark said both times it had a horrible smell to it. It smelt like a man with horrible body odour. He said it was also four feet tall. He then said when he was in the house alone, he saw it float down the hallway into his bedroom and disappear. 
So obviously they're all terrified by this revelation and they're wondering if thing, this thing's going to hurt them. Uh, why was it here? What did it want? So this is October uh, 2013. And on October the 4th, 2013, uh, the next morning, Chris uh, and Mary, they go to the convenience store and they're just talking about what they saw. Like, can you believe it? Like they're shopping, grabbing things off the shelves. Like, I can't believe there's this weird monkey thing. I'll never forget it. it kind of moved like a gorilla and it was all black. It was so bizarre. And there's a guy in the next aisle who's eavesdropping on their conversation. And as they get to the end of the aisle, this guy kind of stops them with his cart and he's like, I believe you. I've seen it too. And he says, what neighborhood do you live in? And they tell him, he's like, that's my neighborhood. I've seen it too. Four foot tall, right? And they're like, yeah. They didn't even mention the size. This guy knew it was like four feet tall. So it's almost like that area is associated with these entities. He claims about a month ago, he saw one of these things running across his yard. He said it was black, four feet tall. At first, he thought it was a weird looking dog. But as he looked closer, it kind of looked like an ape, like just the way it moved. So skip ahead. Uh, Chris couldn't believe it. Actually, the, the next thing that happens October the 11th, this is like a week after, uh, Mark was standing in the hallway and he felt something drop out of thin air, land on his head, slide down his neck and go down his back and land on the floor. And he's standing there going, what the hell was that? Like rubbing his head. He looks down and there's a chain, like a silver chain necklace on the ground. And it looks like it's just fallen out of the, the ceiling. It's mm. come out of nowhere. You hear about things like that apporting in poltergeist encounters. Well, he goes up to Mary. He's like, is this yours? And she says, no, I've never seen that before in my life. Anyway, at this moment, Chris walks in and uh, he's holding up this silver chain. And she's like, where the hell did you get that? And he said, it just fell on my head from nowhere. And she basically claims that she lost, that's her chain, that's her silver chain, and she lost it in the Florida Keys like three months ago. So it was like it's returned to her. Yeah, she thought someone had stolen it. Um, and she said, give me a look at the clasp. I bet there's a bite mark there because that's how I close it. And fair enough, there was a bite mark there. So it was her chain. And essentially Mary is saying, oh, this must be a gift from a sweet spirit that's that's here. It's definitely not from that weird monkey that we saw a week ago. It's definitely a sweet spirit, not that gorilla thing. Uh, and then they start hearing weird whispers on their cell phone. Like, you know, when you're on hold, you need to talk to a company or something, you're on hold with the stupid hold music. They started to hear this woman going, ah, da, 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 da. What, like getting echoes? Just just whispering at them, saying, listen, listen. And they would, they would essentially start talking to her like some weird EVP. Uh, the woman on this whispering woman tells them that she's dead. And eventually they ask her, how much time do we have in the house? And the entity says, uh, not long. There's all this weird uh, EVP stuff going on. And this is just full of like just general poltergeist stuff that's happening in the house. Like I'm skipping so much because a lot of it is just so monotonous. It's like taps turning on, you yeah, know, ele haunting. electronic equipment going on, footsteps outside, foot knocks on the walls, just general benign, boring poltergeist stuff. No, we want to hear about the monkeys. Well, then out of nowhere, November the 1st, 2013, Mary says, this morning I woke up to a female monkey ramming my head into her crotch. She jumped up on my bed, sat down, spread her legs, took her hands, placed them on the side of my head. I was laying on my back and she said she started to ram my head into her crotch back and forth repeatedly. <laughs> I, was just like, 
I'm lost for words. <laughs> I like how it just goes from zero, zero to, to eleven yeah. immediately. Uh, this monkey was this female monkey was fat and about four feet tall. I started to scream in my head, "Oh God! Oh God! Help me!" I screamed a second time and louder a third time, and finally she stopped. She said, "I sat up," and she was gone. The next day, I smudged the herb sage uh, smoke every in every corner of the room while saying prayers to release it. Uh, so that no negative energies would be allowed in the house. It did not work. <laughs> did she wake up another morning having her head thrust into its crotch? Just what is going on? How can you... <laughs> like, what is going why, on? But why would you think that smudging would stop an interdimensional monkey? She's just been raped, basically. Well, not that... Ex- but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty horrible. It's a female monkey... Yeah, it's horrible. ...ramming your head into its crotch. And it's not a it's not a cute monkey. It's a fat, obese, four foot tall monkey. December tenth, uh, Mark claims he saw white mist floating around his bedroom. Tina said she saw a bright green orb rush from one side of the porch to the other. December the thirteenth, there was a white orb in my bedroom. She said flying around, and there's just tons of these, tons of these little entries. It's basically like a diary the entire sure yeah. for years and years and years. Like this goes all the way up to 2022. Uh, she's hearing knocks on her door. Uh, she got a burning pain in the back of her knee when she was walking through the house and she looks down and there's a weird scratch on her knee. Oh, uh, so here's the, the scratches and the injuries. It's starting to annoy her. One night, uh, this is in December 2013, Mark's on the toilet and she just hears him screaming in pain. He claims he had been punched in his kidneys while he was taking a dump and this huge bruise appears on his back. Um, there were you know, items around the house that are getting moved around. Uh, December 29th, they see a green neon spirit flying around. March 19th, 2014, Lorraine came out of her bathroom at 3 a.m. to go to the bathroom in the hallway. She came out of her bathroom to go to the bathroom in the hallway. I don't know. I don't know why. As she came out the door to her right, she saw a monkey-looking creature go by the hallway into the dining room where there's a nightlight on. She still went to the bathroom and did her business. When she left, she opened the door and saw the same creature going into her bedroom where her husband was sleeping. She goes in and sees nothing, so she gets back in bed, terrified. Then it walked into her room and locked eyes with her. She said the eyes were yellow. Uh, Later, Mary asked her to explain what it looked like. She said, it's not really a gorilla. It looks more like a chimpanzee monkey, again, four feet tall and black. March the 31st, 2014, Lorraine showed me her thigh where these horrible scratches appeared when she woke up. She said there was no way she could have done it herself. It looked like two claw marks running down her thigh about three inches long. As she was showing uh, Mark and Mary, Mark pulls up his um, shirt and he's got an exact same scratch running down his side. So it's escalating? Yeah, they're getting attacked by this thing. Now, meanwhile, she, she contacts her psychic and the psychic's like, well, you've got to give the monkey a name so that no. it kind of feels like your friend and it starts to feel comfortable with you in the house. No. She's like, I don't want to give this thing a name. Yeah, that's a dumb thing to do. It's attacking us. Don't encourage it. There's no way I'm going to do that. She says, I just want these spirits and these crazy things and these interdimensional monkeys to stay away. She said, however, we did start calling it Charlie. <laughs> oh, have you noticed a trend here where she's given warnings or she goes, oh, no, I won't. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, we'll do it. <laughs> Let's just do it. She then said she was talking on the phone to an ex-renter who moved out only after being in the house for a month. And she basically opened up to this guy and said, look, this is what's been happening. There's been these weird 
monkey things in the house. And he basically says, yeah, that's why I left. And he opens up to her and says he was sleeping one night and this black thing started to choke him and he had to basically kick it off with his legs. He said he didn't want to tell us because he didn't want us to think he was crazy, but that's why he moved out. So this is July the 10th and she's basically writing in her diary, oh boy, this is not good. It's starting to piss me off. August the 2nd, 2014. This tonight, a black thing held me down in my bed. I was sleeping on my back when darkness completely engulfed me. It was like it melted itself two feet all around me, pushed me into the bed while I was on my stomach. So I struggled, which seemed like a very long time. Finally, I I could turn to my side, then to my back, and she said eventually she could pull her knees up to her chest and kick this thing off, and it disappeared. Uh, She's hearing things walking on the roof at night. There's strange growls. There's heavy breathing. And there is like whooping chimp sounds that everyone's basically hearing. Like that. Like you'll just hear that at night and then it'll just kind of fade out and disappear. Um, August the 25th, 2014, she said I had a medium named Diane come over to get a free session on my healing machine. I, this is the, she basically repeats what I mentioned earlier where she said it was ancient. Uh, some kind of ancient entity was in the house, but they're not human. They're not animal. They're not demon. They're not alien. They're something else. Uh, And the psychic says they've always been connected to your property and to this neighborhood. She said she tried to communicate with it. And again, it showed itself to her. It looked like a little pygmy with a mask on, four feet tall. But she added that it communicated that it liked Mary and wouldn't hurt her, but it hated the others in the house. Which makes me think even more that all this stuff's attached to her. It's all kind of associated with, with her. Yep. Uh, She said you would not be able to get them out of your house or property because this is their land, not ours. She said it told her it liked the fans because where they are, it's really hot. What? This is just surreal. Yeah, the dimension they're in gets so hot, so they like it when they turn the fans on. It is Florida. It gets pretty hot. Unless they're from hell. (laughs) It's probably a lot hotter. Uh, September the 10th, 2014, Lorraine saw Charlie, which again is the monkey, walking on the sidewalk. She watched him walk on the sidewalk until he turned left and walked up to the two cars under the carport. She said he went in between them and disappeared. So it's not just in the house that they're seeing these things. They're seeing them in the neighborhood. They're seeing them on the sidewalk, walking around. Occasionally they'll manifest in broad daylight. And the book just goes from these little sightings to just full-on mayhem. Because on November the 3rd, 2014, she says, I was raped. She said, I was sleeping on my right side. It was around 2 a.m. I felt hands pull me down towards the end of the bed and immediately a penis went right up into, into my vagina. Oh. She says, my eyes opened wide and I was paralyzed with fear. My knees were rolled up to my chest and the room was dark and incredibly quiet. I then felt the penis slide almost all the way out and then pushed back into me. These strokes happened a few more times until I had an orgasm. Each stroke was exceptionally pleasurable, she says. Right after that, I slowly turned on my back, praying that I would not see what had been done to me and prayed that it was not a monkey. (laughs) So she's just like, please don't be a monkey, please don't be a monkey, please don't be a monkey. She said when she rolled on her back, she spread her legs wide because the heat from her vagina was so extreme it felt like fire. What the hell is going on? What the hell is this? 
It's not my fault. It's the guy that sent it to me on Twitter. What's his name again? At King Tut, King Tut. It's Seth's fault. Uh, she said, I, I mean, uh, I wasn't frightened about the experience because it was very, very pleasurable. I mean, to the point that it felt like it was the best sex I ever had. She says, I know this sounds crazy, but that's how each stroke felt. Uh, the orgasm felt like a thousand of them all at once. Okay, so you're on the money. It's the phenomenon's about her. It's attached to her. She's a centerpiece for this. And clearly she's got a succubus, which is draining her energy and using her. <laughs> she has to call her psychic, Margot, to establish whether it's a male ghost or a monkey. And she's actually, in the book, she's saying she really wants it to be a male ghost and not a monkey that did well, this deed to her. And finally, the psychic's like, yeah, it was a male ghost. It wasn't a monkey. And she's like, I was so relieved. <laughs> it's a succubus. It's not human. She says, before this happened, I always slept naked, but now I always wear a nightgown. And compelling interaction. <laughs> hang on, hang on. So now you're wearing a nightgown, which has easy access. So I don't think you're changing. It doesn't really, it doesn't really change anything. Uh, November the 15th, 2013, we have a new renter named James. He has moved into the Florida bedroom. Uh, this room is next to Isaiah's garage room. I told him the house was haunted. He said it was okay. He had dealt with ghosts before. Five days later, James is sitting on his bed watching TV. When a black mass came through the French glass door and tried to strike him, he blocked it by putting up his arm. 15 minutes later, it comes from the other direction, strikes him again, and he comes out. He's got two giant wounds on his arms. Uh, and I think he moved out like a month later. And I, I had missed the start where she mentions this garage room because all this stuff's happening. And then she finally mentions on November the 27th, 2014, Isaiah is sleeping in the garage and he got punched in his ribs. And she mentions he's just this Guatemalan guy that lives in the garage. <laughs> and I'm just like, how come this guy has never been mentioned? Like we're two years into the story and there's just this Guatemalan guy that lives in the garage. Well, that's the thing. Is he interdimensional or is he just actually a guy? <laughs> I mean, he's just a guy. Like he get up, gets up really early, works really hard, you know, comes home late, sends money back home. And finally, he's being attacked as well by getting punched in the ribs. She said, uh, he does not speak very good English, but enough to get by. He's from Guatemala. He is the most vulnerable person here. Why? <laughs> I don't know, because he's, he doesn't speak English. He can't negotiate with these interdimensional apes. So uh, December 13th, 2014, my deceased mom used a fire alarm to scare a rat away, she says. <laughs> She says there was a rat poking by her side table and then the smoke alarm went off and she's convinced that her mother pressed the button on the smoke alarm to scare the rat away. She said, I thanked mom who has been in spirit form for 25 years. She is truly always with me, watching out for me. If you buy my other book, From Hooker to Healer, <laughs> you can read about all my hundreds of paranormal experiences throughout my whole life. <laughs> Until I bought this house. Evidently, she's a healer to hooker now. December 27th, 2014, she said, I was sleeping on my left side, right at the edge of my bed. It was about 6 a.m., light coming in through my window. She says, just as she's barely opening her eyes, she sees a male ghost standing next to the bed. This man, he's not a shadow person. He bends down and kisses her lips gently, softly. She says it was a quick, loving kiss. She could literally feel his lips pressing against hers. 
She said, I found myself with puckered lips as I woke up completely wanting more. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a yeah, four foot monkey there. <laughs> you got bubbles in front of you. She said he disappeared almost immediately. He had black hair. I could see some facial features, but didn't recognize him. I was not scared by this experience and didn't feel any threat. I actually hoped the next night I would get another kiss, but nothing more. So what does this mean, she says. Is it the man who raped me? It could be because he was gentle, as was this kiss. I doubt I will ever know. Isn't this just like a fine wine, this book? It just keeps getting better. No, it's it's like a bottle of wine that's been corked and it's been left for a few months. March the 10th, 2015, Jeff, who we had just met, moved into the room that used to be our dining room, which we turned into a room for extra (laughs) income. So they've already chopped one room in half. There's like <laughs> 10 people in the house. The porch, the garage. There's a Guatemalan guy living in the garage. And now you've just gone and sliced your dining room in half to put another dude in there. Uh, and that sounds about right. On this first night, Jeff sang some songs while playing his guitar. We enjoyed this and thought he was cool and was looking forward to having him stay. Uh, before he went to bed, we told him that the house is haunted and we have a interdimensional monkey that messes with us all and that we call him Charlie. And what did he do? Just shrug <laughs> his arms be like, oh, I've dealt with interdimensional monkeys before. She said he looked at us like we're crazy and said, okay, and went to bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the following day, he claims that all night something was playing his guitar. Like he didn't believe them. He obviously thought they're nuts. But he says all night there was this ding, 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 like something was tugging on the strings and he'd look up and there'd be nothing there. But he said that in the middle of the night, a black mass jumped on top of him and tried to suck him upwards. Now, I don't know Mm. what that means. Mm. I think we can read between the lines there, Ben. Uh, He said he fought it off and eventually went to sleep. Needless to say, he left as soon as the month was up. And then on June the 20, June 16th, 2015, she sees like a tan monkey come in on all fours and bite her toe. And she's like paralyzed until something happens in the bathroom next door and kind of snaps her out of it. And then the monkey disappears. She's getting tortured by these things. Uh, on June the 20th, 2015, the Guatemalan guy said a monkey got on top of him uh, and strangled him. So for the next few days, he couldn't swallow. He could only eat soft food. She said, he said he was also hit in the liver and showed us a big bruise. I'm so tired of our Guatemalan friend being abused. He's the true victim in all of this, right? He's just working hard. He's like, he's emigrated to the United States, you know, the land of the free to get punched in the liver by an interdimensional (laughs) monkey before he goes to work, probably doing hard labor, (laughs) working his ass off. And he comes home to a house full of 10 people (laughs) and monkeys beating him up and strangling him. I feel sorry for this guy. But can I ask a really, perhaps, you know, I'm going to be pertinent here, but why don't you leave? Because they haven't finished renovating the house. No, this is but all through no, renovation. The Guatemalan guy. Oh, the Guatemalan guy. Out. Come on, Aaron. Oh. You're saying he should go back to his own country. <laughs> oh, no, you I didn't say that. You don't like the interdimensional monkeys no. here? Why don't you fuck off back home? <laughs> is that what she's saying? Is that what she's saying? 
Well, uh, I'm saying if I was at that circumstance, I would probably do that. That's all I've suggested. August the 5th, 2018. Mark almost died today. <laughs> That's not, I shouldn't laugh at someone dying, but we all know it's going to be a monkey. Chris was sitting in his bedroom on the porch watching Mark walk out into the living room. Suddenly she saw him standing still while being bent over backwards at a 90 degree angle. What? <laughs> so they all claim she... No, it's not like he's arching his back. Like, think about bending backwards, right? Yeah. All you can do is really arch you your back. You can't go back far at all. She claims she looked over and he was actually bending <gasps> 90 degrees no, up their that's hips. Not, that's not biomechanically possible. Like, his spine was snapping, but he was still upright. Like, he didn't fall backwards. She's like, <gasps> runs into the kitchen, puts her not hand possible. under his back and says, what's happening? What the hell's happening? He's like, <laughs> he can't talk. He manages to like walk while she's holding his back up and stop it, stopping it from being snapped. He walks into the kitchen, springs back upright, and puts his entire head under the faucet of the sink. Um, and Chris is standing there watching, and he starts um, he starts like washing his face, and she says bubbles start coming out of his hands and forearms. <laughs> what like kind of bubbles? Big soap bubbles, like just start. Like Flowing floating out of, out of his arms and hands. Chris is like, what the hell's going on? Why is there bubbles coming out of you? He said di he didn't understand what was happening. He got worried because of the bubbles. But after a minute, his skin stopped bubbling and it slowly subsided. A minute. You've got soap bubbles coming out of your <laughs> body for a minute. <laughs> Chris sat Mark down in his chair and she came to get me. Uh, when, when Mary came to see him, she said he was in a daze for about 10 minutes. Then he started to tell us that he was suddenly frozen still when this happened. He knew that he was somehow bending backwards when he saw warm rays of light coming from the ceiling that were lifting his chest upward. They were colors that he had never seen before. Everything stopped when Chris came and straightened him back up again. He actually thought he was dying. And if Chris wasn't there, he would have died uh, none of us, she says, could have bended over backward like that. It was physically impossible. I said to him, it was lucky his spine did not break. September the 6th, 2019, James was sitting in the backyard against the far west side of the property when he started to hear from behind him the sound of large flapping wings. He looked overhead and watched as a pterodactyl flew over towards the other side of the backyard. Its wingspan was about 30 feet long. Oh, come on. He could feel the whoosh of the flapping of the wings. Then it was out of sight, he said. September the 10th, James quickly moved back to North Carolina. We will miss him. And I can't, like, this is the smartest guy. The people who are like, See? yeah, I'm out, I'm gone. These are the smartest people in this whole scenario. Like, yeah, if a chimp's playing a guitar overnight, yeah, it's time to move out. I know, yep. the, I know the rent's cheap. Yep, but there's a reason why it's, it's time to move out. Mm -hmm. Um... Tom was sitting, this is September the 13th, 2019. Tom is sitting outside in front of the garage door under the carport. He sees a monkey hiding behind one of the carport holes, or poles, sorry. He said it was about four feet tall, black and skinny. He said it disappeared when it realized he could see him. He said he got up right away and went inside his room. Uh, and then there's more like weird stuff turning up out of nowhere. Um, like Carrie came over to visit. This is Mary's friend. And as she comes in, she's like, who owns these keys? They were just right by your front door. And Mark looks at him and he's like, where the hell did you get those? And they look really old. They look, they've been sitting around for a while. And Kerry says, oh, they're, you know, just in the grass by the front door. Like, you can't miss them. They're just sitting there. And he says, I lost those keys 25 years ago. Oh, wow. 
they were from uh, a house they lived at, you know, somewhere else in Florida. They'd lost all his keys. It was such a pain in the ass. And he was just absolutely freaked out. He's like, here's the key for my old Honda. What the hell is going on? 20 years ago, he lost these keys and they just turn up in the front lawn. Uh, January the 1st, 2020, the Guatemalan guy sees a lady dressed in black walking down the street. It was about 5 p.m., still daylight. Uh, he was sitting under the carport looking towards the street. He sees this woman walking down wearing this black gown with a hood. She said he had no face. It was just black nothingness. He's convinced it was the Grim Reaper. A week later, the neighbor across the street from them dies of an overdose. He was 18 years old living with his parents. And so so they're were, making the connection between the two? Yeah, they're convinced the Grim Reaper was... Uh, Why would the Grim Reaper show up a week beforehand? I don't know, maybe just in town. Just looking around, just show, scoping the place out. Go to Disneyland, I don't know. June the 27th, 2020, Isaiah, the Guatemalan guy, had a bad night. He told us in the morning that at 1.28 a.m. he awoke to a small gorilla sitting on top of him. He's probably like, oh, I've got to go to work in the morning. <laughs> he said it was not monkey-like. Its gorilla face was inches away from his. Uh, it was three feet long and a little bit obese. He said one hand was choking his throat while the other was holding him down by his left shoulder. Then it growled when he was trying to yell for help. What's with these fat monkeys again? <laughs> He said the whole thing lasted 20 seconds as he's trying to wrestle it off him. Uh, it finally disappeared. And he said for weeks, like his throat was sore, his shoulder was sore, everything was really sore. And all of this kind of kicks into gear in July of that year of 2020. Princess had to be put to sleep. Now, Princess is one of the five or six dogs that live in the house as well. I think it's her chihuahua who's been with her for years. Uh, it had uh, basically a seizure. It had a heart problem. It had a seizure. Um, she said her body was brought back and buried in a corner of the property behind my bedroom. Uh, Isaiah dug a hole about three foot by three foot by three foot and they pre they placed the dog's body in the grave. I don't like where this um, is going. And Mark started to fill the grave with dirt to cover it up. And when he was about six inches from the top, something grabbed the back of his right calf and squeezed it like he was in a vice. And it was so much pain... Uh, he had a vision of a hundred eyes looking at him, he said, and he had no idea what was going on. And he looks down and there's this huge gash, nothing, he can't see anything grabbing him, but there's this huge gash forming on the back of his calf. Yeah. And this is in fact, the oh. picture from the, this is from the cover of the book, which right. we'll, we'll put in the show notes. And he screams at the top of his lungs, tears in his eyes. Everyone's like, what the hell's going on? He pulls up, you know, pulls up his shorts and they're just this huge bruise with cuts inside it. Looks like it's been done with claws. Just this horrific wound. And uh, he says he didn't feel teeth or claws. It just felt like something had grabbed him and, and want, wanted to stop him shoveling. So everyone's scared because of this. They've never seen anything like this. Like people have gotten scratches, but this is a real serious kind of wound. Um, now, eventually, Margot, the psychic, comes by to look at his wound and try and figure out what the hell happened. She said it was actually three interdimensional monkeys that grabbed him. Um, she said they got scared because something is buried below the grave of the dog. They didn't want him to uncover it, so they wanted to stop him from digging any further. Yeah, this has a pet cemetery feel to it. Are there's, they going to dig the dog up? There's something else underneath the, the grave of the dog. 
Well, now, it's human nature to want to find out, isn't it? Mary immediately asks if it's gold or treasure. Why? Why would you go to gold or treasure? A logical question. What a, What would be guarding a treasure? Treasure, treasure guardians. guardians. Okay. Yeah. Interdimensional monkeys, the perfect treasure guardian. And is it is Florida, some, so maybe. Yeah. Is there Spanish gold mm. under this house in Florida? Uh, the psychic said, no, I don't think so. I think it's just sacred. <laughs> because she's already dug it up. She said, well, she said, I knew this is not an Indian burial ground because we haven't seen any Indian spirits here. Instead, I believe now that it is an ancient monkey burial ground. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, wow. July the 10th, 2020, uh, William walked into the backyard and noticed as he passed by his window that there was a golden face on his wall looking out from the inside of his room. We've heard this before in another account. He said it was like the face was golden, had humanoid features, but it looked like a monster and it was just poking out from like the drywall. Like its head was coming out of the wall. Yeah, we had that sort of report, yeah. Um, And he just basically went to sleep. Hang on. You got a face poking out of your drywall... And you just go, oh, I'll just roll over. Yep. Uh, August 5th, 2020, she gets up to go to the kitchen in the morning. She sees that the fridge has been dragged off the wall. And she's like, oh, I wonder what happened to the fridge. Maybe Mark pulled it out because there's something wrong with it because it's a really heavy fridge. And uh, she speaks to Mark. She's like, why did you pull the fridge out? He said, I I didn't touch the fridge. And it turns out no one touched the fridge because it would have taken a lot of strength. And a few days later, they had to get a repairman out to fix the fridge because it basically stopped working. It stopped cooling things. And the repair guy says to them, it's really lucky that you called me because it's actually sparking at the back. Like there's a fuse that's going and it's... it's so what a, could have caused a fire? Yeah, there's a spark. And he said that the whole house would have burnt down if you didn't call me. And essentially, they call over the psychic Margot. Margot says it was actually one of the interdimensional monkeys that pulled the fridge out for them because it wanted to protect them from the house catching on fire. The, the monkey's been attacking them, mauling them, and now all of a sudden it wants to protect them? Well, it's their house too. Like the monkey, one of them lives in the closet. Uh, she said, some of these monkeys are highly intelligent. This is what the psychic was saying. This one looks like a giant orangutan and crossed with a man. I know she has described this one to me before. She says, she said, I needed to thank him. I said, I'm doing it right now in my head. I very much appreciated him saving the house and us. I told Margot that I would buy bananas tomorrow and spread them around the house as a gift of thanks. Okay, let's set the scene. We've got at least 15 people in the house. We've got a Guatemalan guy in the garage. We've got rooms that are just divided with multiple tenants in there. We've got at least seven dogs running around and a bunch of cats. Now we've got bananas... Just scattered randomly through the house. (laughs) In every spot in the house. And we've got some kind of interdimensional monkey burial ground in the backyard. Question. I can't even believe I'm asking this, but did the bananas just disappear? (laughs) Yeah, they're just gone. They're just gone? It's like when you leave milk and cookies out for Santa. (laughs) They're just gone. Uh, January the 6th, 2021, she says, I talked to my psychic to tell her that I put together a seven-foot copper pyramid in my backyard for meditation. She said, you need to tell the primates why you've done this because they don't understand why this is on their property. If you do not, they will create chaos again. I reluctantly said, okay, I'll tell them about the seven-foot copper pyramid. January the 8th, 2021. Chris, my friend Chris, told me that she didn't get any sleep last night. She was up all night. And as the sun was starting to come up, 
She was lying on her right side when she felt a spirit or a mass emerge behind her and spoon her. She said she didn't move. She didn't know what was happening until she felt an arm wrap around her waist and pull her back. She felt no threat, no evil, but passion and kind emotions coming from this entity. She opened her eyes and couldn't see the spirit, only feel its emotions. Then this spirit kissed her lips. She responded to the spirit with a passionate kiss. Chris said it was unlike any kiss she had ever had in her life. She said she enjoyed it tremendously and did not want it to end. She said she felt like it was a female spirit but wasn't sure. It was just so tender. Chris said she took her right arm and placed it on top of the spirit, but when it did this, the spirit threw her arm off and it went backward. Then it moved on top of her. She said it did not touch her sexually, but there were only kisses between them and she became very turned on. Then the spirit was gone. Again, it's highly likely that this is a monkey masquerading Mas- as a man. Masquerading well, as if, something. If, if, if this is real and they are being attacked by something, it's like it, it manifests in a multitude of different ways and none of it is human. It, none of it is human. So all the women in the house are getting like nice tender kisses. They're getting you know, some, some loving attention. The occasional rogering, but it's very gentle and quite pleasurable. Meanwhile, the poor Guatemalan guy living in the garage... <laughs> It's getting the shit beaten out of him almost every night. <laughs> Liver punch. May 28th, 2021. Isaiah had a severe accident at work with his right hand where his fingers were completely severed. Oh, oh. He was rushed to the hospital and they put pins in to save his fingers. Even with strong pain pills, he was constantly in agonizing pain. This night, it was about a week after his operation, he was sleeping in his room when a interdimensional monkey grabbed his wrapped hand and slammed it against the wall next to him, he woke up screaming in pain. (laughs) I feel really bad for this guy. I know. This is the whole... This this is the real core of the story, is you've just got... This is a a house of racist monkeys. (laughs) Racist interdimensional monkeys. Because the poor Guatemalan guy is getting beaten up every night. He's just being terrorized. Everyone else is getting like nice tender kisses. And they're just beating up the brown guy in the garage. (laughs) It's wrong, Ben. It's terrible. (laughs) October 19th, 2021. At the Hotel International Palms in Cocoa Beach, Florida. How did we end up here? Oh, She's she's with Mark on a little getaway for two nights. Uh, The second night around 9pm, she says, Mark and I were in bed, relaxing, watching TV. She says, I was lying on my side, listening to the TV, half asleep, when suddenly a white light shot out of nowhere and entered my brain from the right side. She said, I've never had this happen to me before. This weird energy enters my brain. The light felt about three inches long, one inch high. She said, as this small light streaked into my brain, there was a thought connected to it. And the thought that was implanted into my brain instantly was to take the signal frequency of a telomere and make it so that people can wear it on their bodies for anti-aging properties. Boom. Instant millionaire. You mean the cap on the end of a chromosome? A telomere, yeah. The frequency of a telomere. Put it into a little pendant, sell it on Etsy. Billion, Billion dollar empire. She says, I sat up and thought to myself, what the heck just happened? I've like never had anything like that shoot into my brain before. She said, I I knew someone gave me that thought, so it must be important. The next day, I called my psychic Margot and told her what had happened. I asked her who sent me the thought, and she said Nikola Tesla did. 
I said, oh. wow. <laughs> she goes, I said, wow, we are like so connected. <laughs> I'm out. That's it. I mean, if it wasn't enough for the racist monkeys, that's it. We're nearly done. So after uh, after this, Mark actually gets really sick. He's having all these stomach problems. And it's April the 20th, 2022. He actually goes to get an MRI done on his lower back. And they put headphones on him. They put him in the machine, started up. Is there an image of a chimp reaching inside him? Well, he claims that after the MRI started up, this shadow man, this this gray weird shadow entity appears beside the MRI machine. And he can only see his torso and his face, but the guy's got no eyes. It's weird. And he said this man, without a word, kept reaching into his belly. Oh, I was a big facetious. And pulling stuff out. And as he pulled it out, he was eating it. Oh, <laughs> He was like eating junk out of his stomach. Um, and when the MRI machine gets turned off, he said this man just kind of looked around and then disappeared. It, he'd had his meal. Mark said uh, he tried to talk to him in his mind, like communicate, but the guy was just too busy eating whatever was being pulled out of his stomach um, <laughs> to, to comment. Now, he said when he got up, he told the operator of the MRI machine all about this. He said, oh, there's this weird gray man. He was eating stuff out of my stomach. It was so weird. And the operator was like, yeah, we get that all the time. You know, people see weird things when they're in the MRI. It's just one of those things. Do they, though? And I was like, well, elaborate, maybe? Yeah, I mean... Is this a people... common thing of a gray man eating things out of his stomach when you go to the MRI machine? I mean, I wouldn't have thought that that would be able, like the the MRI would be capable of inducing hallucinations like that. So what the hell could that be? And that's basically like the end of the experiences because by September of 2022, the only thing that's happening is she wakes up up at 3 a.m. and Mark comes in and says, did you call me? I heard your voice. And she says, no. And he's like, oh, that's weird. And she says, oh, maybe it's my subconscious calling you. And that's kind of the end of the book. Uh, there is a bunch of uh, epilogues. She does say that she time traveled. Okay. She says, one night I was doing a oh, show right. with my many healing devices at a metaphysical group in 2004. And when it was over, a woman said she had a sprained ankle and was in pain. As people were gathering their things and leaving, I sat on the floor and placed my argon plasma high frequency violet ray Tesla coil on her ankle. <laughs> 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 All right. All right, I'm back in. So she's got this uh, argon plasma high-frequency violet ray Tesla coil on this woman's ankle. She says, I had my hand on her bare leg. And then one of my friends came along with a copper device called the Orgasmatron. Oh, I know that thing. Which are those things that you put on your head. She said, uh, when my friend slid the copper fingers up and down my scalp, I started to scream, but not in pleasure. I was actually screaming in in pain, she says. Uh, when he stopped, I felt fine, but had mild pain in my head for a brief moment. What she says, what she realized had happened is she was actually being electrocuted because her hand was on this woman's leg while the violet ray argon generating Tesla coil was also on her ankle. So there was 25,000 volts running at 20 milliamps shooting right into her brain from the orgasmatron. <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, but not very well, but yes, it does. That night, she said she was in bed with her husband, her eyes closed, and she started to travel through space. Like, she started to see stars and galaxies and travel through space. And she saw herself in an emergency room with her friend, Mary Jo, who was holding her hand. She was sitting in a hospital bed. She heard the doctor say, oh, it's yellow. 
Then she woke up. She's back in reality. A week later, she was in actually an emergency room with that same friend, Mary Jo, who was holding her hand. And the doctor was lancing a cyst on the back of her neck. Gross. And he said, oh, it's yellow as he lanced it. Suddenly, she said, my brain went right back to that night because this is exactly what I saw and heard in my dream the night I got electrocuted by the argon plasma high-frequency violet ray Tesla coil. It's doing something to your brain, lady. She says, I realized that being shocked by the argon plasma high-frequency violet ray Tesla coil (laughs) had sent me into the future. (laughs) I had time traveled as Nikola Tesla said he did when he accidentally got electrocuted by his argon plasma high-frequency violet ray Tesla coil. (laughs) And there's a whole bunch of other stuff in there, but that's the end of the book, basically. So I give that... How many pussy cysts out of 10, Ben? I give that 10 monkey rapes out of 10. (laughs) It's a a special treat when you get a book like this come along. It's a special treat, and you've just got to embrace it. I know what's happened. I know what's happened. You've read that book and then realized that you've run out of time for the day. And you're like, oh, well, that's what I'm running No, that's not what happened at all. That is what has happened. No, no, no. No, I was actually looking at Brent Rain's uh, Alternate Perceptions Perceptions magazine. I was looking at the October issue because Brent always has great stories here. And I noticed that Albert Rosales was doing contributions for Alternate Perceptions and we know Rosales because we used to cover his humanoid reports yeah. from years back. He always covered reports from He's the Americas. He's a good researcher. And there was one he mentioned from Colombia, uh, which occurred in July of 1987, which I wanted to mention because it will lead me into uh, some of Hakan's stuff. Essentially, it was a bunch of friends who were invited to media vacations at a friend's ranch. This was um, uh, near a desert area near Magdalena River in Colombia. And they got set up deep in this desert area. Two members of the group, Alexander and Zemena, they set up tents. They found this beautiful location, you know, stunning view of the area. And they planned to spend the days trekking, exploring the region. And they thought maybe they'll stay five days. Anyway, on the night of the fourth day, they're sitting down, you know, having their camping dinner. And out of nowhere, this stranger appears. And he's tall, he's blonde, intense blue eyes carrying a very heavy backpack and he kind of just sits down in their camp, doesn't say a word, and starts getting out utensils, lanterns and all this camping equipment. And he just looks at the other two and he just kind of greets them with a gesture. Now, the group greets him in Spanish, but there's no answer. They try English. Again, he doesn't respond. And finally, Alexander knows a bit of sign language and actually starts signing to him, you know, do you need any help? And he actually responds. He uses sign language and indicates that he wants to stay with the group for the night. And everyone kind of agrees that, yeah, okay, you you can stay. Anyway, that night, it's their last day in the desert. They're celebrating by eating all their rations. They've got this big bonfire going, singing, enjoying themselves. But this strange blonde-haired visitor with the bright blue eyes doesn't say anything. He seems to be enjoying himself, but he just stays silent. Always got a smile on his face, always giving approving gestures, but not saying anything. Anyway, while they're sitting around the bonfire, this guy starts pulling out these little uh, aluminium containers and gestures to the other guys that they should take them. And uh, according... What do you mean, like film canisters or something? 
No, like little, I guess like test tubes, but they're pull, they're full aluminium, okay. like just little tiny containers, what you would put a, a bit of liquid in. And that uh, he motions for them to drink it and they, they drink it and they says, it, they basically say it tastes incredible. It's the most delicious thing I've ever had. It, it tastes like different fruits. It's all mixed together. It's really refreshing. And as soon as they consume these, the contents of these weird containers, they feel strangely at peace and happy. They feel a connection among themselves. And they're all wide awake until like 3 a.m. in the morning until finally this strange blonde-haired visitor takes out his sleeping bag, which is like the same aluminium as the little vials he gave them, and basically waves farewell, wraps himself up and goes to sleep. Anyway, the next day, uh, Alexander wakes up first and gets all his gear together and this stranger has disappeared and he's left behind a pyramid of stones like he's built this little pyramid for him and on each side of the pyramid there's one of these silvery little containers with these delicious contents like one for everyone there and before departing the group looks at these containers and they're like you know what this is weird there's no markings on it it's like it looks like it's been made with precision. It's like an Apple product or something, like perfectly made. So high-end manufacturer. Yeah, and there's no mark on it. There's no expiration date. There's no list of ingredients. It's just it's just very strange. Anyway, they drive in their trucks back to the city where they live. And uh, one of the group, Gilberto, he takes the roll of photographs that they had when they were camping and goes to get them developed. And in every photo, they're all having fun. You know, they're drinking, they're eating their food, they're going through the desert, they're at the campsite. But every photo that had this blonde-haired stranger in it, instead of him being in the photo, there's this smudge, just this weird blur. Like everyone else is in focus, looks perfectly fine. This guy's just blurred. And it's really strange. They start going through all the other photos, like why is this guy not showing up on film? Until... One of the photos, they took a photo of a, a truck and in the background, they could see what appeared to be a hovering circular object. There was a UFO in one of the oh. photos. So they decided to get all these photos together, get the negatives together and send them to a well-known uh, UFO researcher in Peru, apparently. Um, the package never made it to him and it was never returned to them either. It predictably disappeared. So who was this guy? Why was he out there camping with these weird tubes with his weird sleeping bag not speaking any not speaking to yeah, them at all sign lang- understanding sign language um and there's another one from bolivia this one was from september 2019 and this was a period uh after they had massive wildfires there and it was in the amazon regions of brazil and bolivia and paraguay and peru you probably remember it from the news And there was a bunch of paramedics and doctors that went out there because a lot of the natives, some of them were injured and, you know, a lot of people got trapped in their villages. So it was a very kind of scary, dangerous time. And there were firefighters from all over the world that came to put out these fires as well. So this guy, this this eyewitness, um, Paul Parada, he was a paramedic and he was out there with his brother just to help anyone that was injured. And one day his brother said, okay, you're exhausted. You stay here with the the tent and the supplies and I'm going to go with the firefighters. We'll see you tonight. So he's like, oh, off you go. Uh, And in the afternoon, um, you know, he's smoking a cigarette, standing outside his tent and he sees in the distance this tall figure approaching him, walking towards him. And he can see the figure is quite tall, like nearly two meters tall, pale complexion. Again, that shoulder length blonde hair. 
And this guy's got a blanket wrapped around his shoulder and around his upper left arm. And as he approaches Parada, the doctor's like, hey, do, do you need any help? And, you know, speaking in Spanish. And in perfect neutral Spanish, this stranger answers, yes, I need assistance. I've got an injury. I've suffered an injury. He walks into the medical tent and Parada asks him where he's injured. He removes the blanket and he's got a deep gash across his arm. And it's at this point Parada notices he's wearing this weird one-piece tight-fitting suit. Mm. Looks like a like a motorcycle suit or something, but it's really thin, it's really tight, and it's bright blue <laughs> with silvery stripes and dots, like Morse code across the chest. And the wound is bleeding profusely, like it's a really bad wound, but there's no blood at all on this blue suit. It's strange. That's repelling it? It's like it can't, like no liquid can touch it. Anyway, Parada thinks that's weird, but he treats the wound. He gives this guy eight stitches and he asks the man, he's like, what the hell happened? How did you get injured? And this man looks straight at him and telepathically told him he'd been attacked by a puma. And Parada's like, uh, what? You just spoke in my head. And he said, this guy looked like annoyed that he had done it. He looked like he had made a mistake, like, whoops, I shouldn't have done that. So he looked at him again, like very calmly looked at him and um, essentially telepathically said, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be all right. Now, Parada's obviously frightened. He's like, who's this weird guy who's speaking in my head? He tried to finish dressing this guy's wound, but he wanted to keep his mind clear because he thought, okay, this guy can probably read my mind. Like, don't think about anything gross. <laughs> don't think about anything gross. So he gave him some gauze, gave him some medication said, look, uh, this is how you treat the wound. This is how you clean it. Um, come back in eight days and I can remove your stitches. The man communicated telepathically again that he shouldn't be frightened about what he was about to see. So Parada walks outside the tent with this guy and immediately sees a large silvery metallic disc hovering a few feet above the ground. The craft had several small square windows on its perimeter. It's at this point Parada becomes absolutely terrified not by the disc but he sees underneath it directly underneath the craft are two humanoid figures but they don't look like tall attractive blondes these are one meter tall pale green in color they're wearing the strength the same kind of over coverall you know tight blue coverall but they're making these weird mechanical moves it's just very scary they, they look completely alien what kind of giving an uncanny valley effect yeah, as well just if they're robotic and moving like odd robots it's it's scary it's like when you first see the um those boston dynamic yeah, things right, moving yeah. around yeah, it's it, it creepy just, feeling it looks creepy and off-putting the man uh this man walked towards them waved goodbye to parada um and called him by his first name which parada had never told him so I read it from his mind and parada was like no nah, i'm done goes straight back into the tent and just starts smoking a cigarette he's like i don't need to see anymore i'm done i'm done so obviously the craft must have uh, flown away, but it was those two entities that terrified him. He said they seemed like helpers or assistants to this tall blonde man. Um, the next morning he told his brother when his brother returned, but has no, never told anyone else until he spoke to Albert. And he actually kept the bloody gauze. He kept the DNA. But he said, unfortunately, in, in his country, there was nowhere you could get a DNA test and to send it overseas was just so obscenely expensive, yeah. he couldn't really afford it. Now, at the end of this interview, because there's a YouTube video here in Spanish, 
Uh, and I'll, I'll put this link in the show notes so you can check it out. But uh, the, the doctor who did this is like, if this is an alien in a flying spaceship with two humanoid helper androids, why doesn't he have the technology to do a few stitches? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, it doesn't make sense. Well, it, it feels like some of these sorts of stories and they kind of have this element of like, it's almost a facade. It's like it's orchestrating contact for a reason. It doesn't need it. It doesn't like, it's like they don't, like they come down and ask for water in some circumstances. You know, it's like, why would you need any of that? But it's like, it's done as a way as a facade to contact human beings. Well, you're right. And, and Hakan from uh, Hakan Blomfuss, ufoarchives.blogspot.com, the excellent Swedish researcher, he thinks this is a facade as well. He thinks the whole alien thing is a cover story. He's been trying to find the origins of these these strange encounters. Where are they from? What do they want? He's been trying to get the answer to this for years. And he's one of the best UFO researchers out there. He, he looks beyond the alien explanation. He looks beyond the nuts and bolts explanation. You have to because it's far more complex than just simple nuts and bolts. He connects it to uh, secret societies and the theosophical movement uh, in the late 1800s and winds in and connects all these different avenues. And on his new blog called Ancient Breakaway Civilization, he posted back in August this year, he reread this old fiction novel. It's called The Descendants. And it's a novel by a friend of his. His name's Tony Brunt. And the story is about a young boy named Tim Baker, who while hiking in New Zealand, he's in the mountains somewhere in New Zealand, he, he saves this woman who's fallen into a crevasse, has fallen into this kind of hole in the ground. And he gets an, an obvious surprise when she leads him to a hidden saucer-shaped craft uh, in which she, you know, flies off and ultimately she belongs to an ancient, highly advanced civilization called the Descendants. Now, this book explains that they're in the tens of thousands in population. They live in large subterranean bases that are unknown to humankind. And because this man in the book, Tim Baker, saved the life of this woman, he and his family become involved in the secret work this group is undertaking above ground in our society. And it's a work that involves undercover observers, you know, watching what's going on with the, the, the planet, watching what humans are doing. But it's this hidden community. It's this secret society. And uh, essentially... Hakan's reached out to Tony, uh, you know, he's friends with a guy and they, they go back and forth and he essentially asked him, you know, wh where'd you get inspiration for this book? Like, where's it from? And Tony said, look, I, you know, it's from, it's fictional, but it's, it's based on contactee reports. It's like, you know, what I think is going on with contactee reports. And he said, I have no doubt that there are others living in a more advanced state in hidden places on the planet. He says this theory has been advanced in different ways by researchers for many years. And he talks about Alan Hynek and Jacques Vallée used the term earthbound aliens. Mac Tonney's called them crypto-terrestrials. John Keel uh, wrote in 1982, look, they've hidden behind this extraterrestrial myth. He says, forget the flying saucer propaganda. We are dealing with something very close to home. And Hakan says, during my many years of investigation of contactee cases, I have now and then pondered whether this could actually be the answer to some of the very physical contact experiences reported worldwide, like those two that I just mentioned to you. Who are these people, he asks? Human-looking visitors? 
mingling in our society? Do they possess advanced technology? They seem to be physical like us. They seem to be perhaps earth-based in their activities. If this is the case, where is their hiding place on the planet? So because Hakan has been researching this stuff for, God, 50 years or so, uh, he's in this article, he's gathered together all these sources on references to this ancient breakaway civilization, and he's compiled it for other researchers. And he's basically broken into three sections. He's got case investigations, contactee statements, and esoteric sources, where there's multiple allusions to this whole ET thing being a cover story to yeah, where they're sense. actually from. So in our plus extension coming up in a moment, I'll mention some of those uh, and let you know where this is going. He's got quotes from Eugene Drake, Frank Howard, Walter Bosley, uh, the Richard Hogland case. Uh, there's a couple of classics. There's some weird Australian poetry that came out in the 90s, which is like code about this inner earth society oh, cool. that he was in touch with. Okay, this all sounds like it's going to fit in very nicely with some of the extreme conspiracy theories we're going to touch on when we take a look at Denver Airport and some of the art that's been put into this place that demonstrates some very, very, well, essentially a disturbing future which is going to be held for humanity. But I dug even further because I wanted to understand more than just the art and why they're telling people this. Like, why would you put art predicting the future of what you're trying to do into your um, you know, installation? Mm. Well, there's a big reason for it because it might have something to do with a very, very dangerous group of non-human entities that are essentially colluding with certain elite human groups to push an agenda. So all of that will be revealed in the Plus Extension coming up. Conspiratorial, moving away from interdimensional rape monkeys in the free show <laughs> to something a little bit more juicy in the Plus Extension. It's just as terrifying, but uh, in a different way. Sign up today, mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Help support your favorite show. Sign up and you get access to the big extensions we do every single Friday. And if you're a Plus subscriber, you also get an exclusive show. There's exclusive season running concurrently. Exclusive to Plus members that comes out every Tuesday. Plus members also get a higher quality version of the show in terms of the, the MP3. Uh, you get a totally ad-free version of the show. And if you sign up for MU Max, you get access to our entire back catalog as well. Hundreds and hundreds of shows available like it was like a thousand shows or something in there in that back catalog uh sign up today mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus only nine bucks a month that's a wrap for this free edition of mu thanks for listening if you're on plus stick around for the great stuff after the break for everyone else we'll catch you next week Extension, great to have you with.